Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni, and you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Before we dig in, I'd like to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where I'm recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. I want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. Obviously, it has been a bit of an emotional roller coaster this week for a lot of us here in North America. In Quebec, where I live, uh, our premier, which is sort of like the uh, Canadian version of a state senator, I guess, uh, you know, our mini prime minister, whatever you want to call him, uh, Francois Legault made a comment uh, along the lines of, we don't want people who are multicultural here we want everybody to have the same culture because multiculturalism implies that all cultures are equal and I don't believe that. And uh, naturally, him having said this horribly racist xenophobic thing has us all uh, real fucking scared of what's coming next. But in even bigger news, obviously, uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned in the United States this week. And uh, that really fucking sucks and is really, really bad and really dangerous and terrifying and heartbreaking. And so I guess I, I just want to start the show this week by telling you that wherever you are right now, wherever you are, whatever is going on where you live, whatever hard things are happening, because the people who are supposed to be taking care of you in your government, frankly, the people who you're supposed to be able to trust to make good decisions are failing you. Uh, I hope that you're able to find joy this week as well and find comfort. Uh, I hope that this show can be part of that joy and comfort. I hope that you have family and friends and loved ones who you can reach out to if you're going through hard stuff. Uh, If the news this past week is weighing heavily on you as it is on me, I hope that you have a support system in place And uh, yeah, just be well, know that you are loved, know that we can and will get through all of this, that the the arc of justice is long and sometimes painfully long, but it does bend toward justice. I don't know what that quote actually is, but you know what I mean. Better times will come even if we have to go through some shitty ones first, and I hope that they don't get too shitty for you, and that if they do, you have people with you to help you through them. All right, now that we are through the uh, rough start to the episode, I'm also a little sick, if you can't tell by the tone of my voice. Like, I'm not just feeling emotional about the state of the world today. I'm also, you know, ill, getting over a cold that has kind of ruined my throat. So thankfully, uh, I recorded the majority of this episode before getting sick. So how about I throw it away from sick me to uh, non-sick me to talk to our special guest about bread baskets and all things tasty and joyful. Yeah, let's do that. All right, today's guest, as part of our continuing series on bread and all things that are good and lovely about bread here on No Bad Food, because bread won, again, bread won Munch Madness this year, and we are celebrating it by doing a whole bunch of bread. Uh, Today's bread winner, I guess, is Aslam Chowdhury, a writer, lawyer, and blogger whose work you can find at studyroompod.com. Thank you so much for joining us on No Bad Food. Well, thank you for having me, Tom. Uh, I really appreciate it. So uh, we know each other through the uh, Left Trigger, Right Trigger Discord, uh, longtime friends of the show, LTRT, Giovanni and Greg and Dave and Tess and all the community around that. Uh, How did you kind of come into getting to know those folks? Oh, well, I got to know them uh, through the now defunct, sadly, podcast Fuzzy Logic. I, I started listening to Fuzzy Logic for, I think, through some other podcast, I think Those Happy Places maybe. And then I got into Fuzzy Logic's Discord, and I think it was Tess dropped by and mentioned something about maybe it was one of their charity streams. Cool. And I just thought, hey, charity stream. I like charity, so I hopped in. And then uh, I think it was Giovanni told me that they had a podcast, so I started listening to the podcast, and uh, the rest is history. 
I actually, I was in a position where I was in a car for several hours, like six to eight hours. And the only thing I had on my uh, iPad was downloaded episodes of Left Trigger, Right Trigger. <laughs> so you got pretty uh, pretty intimately acquainted then, yeah. Jeez. I, I've definitely, I've been in that situation where you're like, well, I have nothing to do now except listen to one podcast for the next many hours. <laughs> For me, it used to be that I would uh, I worked a remote job by myself from home, uh, and I got caught up on all the stuff on Netflix that I wanted to watch, and I got caught up on all the latest episodes of all my shows, and I was like, well, I guess I'll find a new podcast and listen to 100 episodes of it this week. Well, it was the strangest. So normally when I'm going to be a place where I won't have Wi-Fi, I prepare. I download things. I, sure. I'm ready. You know, I, I'm... 100% a planner. I prepare, I think about contingencies, I'm ready to go. I'm the guy who's carry-on, you know, I have my iPad, my little iPad, my phone, a backup battery, a backup battery for the backup battery, and a charger. Right. Uh, so I had to just, I picked, I got a phone call from my brother, my mother was moving that day, he says, hey, we need you to go by the house and just chill there because the garage is open, we're going to be dropping stuff off for the garage. Ostensibly, I was supposed to be there for maybe 45 minutes while the movers came, mm-hmm. and that turned into an entire day affair. So I had zero prep, <laughs> and I was just, I couldn't get into the house, not that there was any furniture in the house anyway. Uh, so the only place I had to sit was my car, and I didn't want to sit idling all day, because that's, you know, bad for gas, bad for the environment, sure. bad for all yeah. sorts of things. Yeah. So I just... <laughs> propped up my iPad on my steering wheel, reclined my seat, and listened to whatever was downloaded. Sometimes that's what you gotta do. If you're uh, if you're listening to this reclined in the seat of your car right now, waiting for your mom's moving company to come home and help move, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you feel <laughs> comforted by us and, and welcomed into our space. Welcome us into your car space. Either way, be welcome and be comfy. It's a weird energy today. I'm real tired. It's a weird energy today. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we, uh, yeah. before we talk too much more about anything, uh, I always like to give my guests a chance to situate themselves in the world of food for our listeners. Um, so how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Paint us a broad picture. How, how'd you grow up eating? Where'd you grow up eating? Who'd you grow up eating with? Or <laughs> if you're a cannibal, now's your chance to tell us. Tell tell me everything about you and food from a young age to present. Yeah, it's one of those stories, you know, pretty pretty normal. I grew up in a suburb near Philadelphia, and uh, I'm the first generation born in America to Bengali immigrants. So we sort of ate the normal stuff that you would eat, chicken nuggets, mashed potatoes. Classic Bengali dishes. Yeah, classic Bengali dishes. I, I remember having mac and cheese for the first time at 17 because it was just not something we ever ate. Now, unfortunately, I've been obsessed with it ever since. It's great for my health, I'm sure. But Unfortunately uh, or fortunately? Yeah. <laughs> my mother cooked often. Uh, it wasn't a traditional household. My parents ran a business, so there were both my parents worked from home out of our basement, which I didn't at the time, of course, know that that was odd. So my mother would often cook dinner, and we'd have a lot of fish, a lot of rice, a lot of spinach. Beef, goat, chicken. I mean, we ate all sorts of all sorts of meals, all meats, except for pork, which we occasionally snuck in. Uh, nobody in my family was very religious, but certain things, you know, they move from religious restriction into superstition into sure. force of habit. Uh, force of habit. Yeah. So my mom would never buy you know ham or pork to cook, but pepperoni pizza, Italian hoagies, that was fine. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like as a kid, I wouldn't have even registered that pepperoni was pork. Like, I think I recognized that at some point in my adult life and went, oh, yeah. No, I think, I, honestly, because my, my mother came here at 19. I don't think she knew either <laughs> uh, until somebody maybe pointed it out. And at that point, the cost-benefit analysis of do we do we give up pepperoni and bacon and, and Italian hoagies or do we just soldier on? And I think... I think she made the right choice by soldiering on. Sure, yeah. Considering the the stink my brother and I can give up when we when we presented a a unified front. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you can't you can't present kids with pepperoni and and hoagies and bacon and then take it away from them ex- and expect it to go well. You know. <laughs> yes, I will. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a story, and I 
honest to God hope my uncle never becomes one of your listeners. My brother and I were watching our cousins one day and uh, we decided to grill and we cooked out, we made burgers. And we had those little, those ready-made pre-cooked slices of bacon mm-hmm. and we were going to make bacon cheeseburgers. My brother takes the bacon out of the fridge and he encourages my little cousin, who's maybe no, no older than eight at the time, to just give bacon a try. Sure. He gives him a little, like a bite, not even a whole slice of bacon. He gives him a bite. And the kid doesn't react at all. He's like, okay, okay. And my brother turns away to finish making a burger and then he turns back around and my little cousin in each of his hands has a handful, a stack of strips of bacon. He's probably holding on to 20 slices of bacon at this point and he just looks at my brother and he says, don't tell my dad. (laughs) Incredible. He had no idea what it was and then in that moment it was something that cannot be taken away from him yeah and and i think there's something fun about like he knew you know he knew what he was doing in that moment you guys knew what you were (laughs) doing in that moment and there was this mutual understanding of like look let's not let's not make a big deal out of this we're gonna enjoy this you know absolutely absolutely and and i think well you're the first person we've told in a recorded medium at the very least sure yeah the story's made its rounds but his dad does not know this (laughs) this was 20 some years ago oh my god uh well we're gonna have to make sure that uh your uncle does not listen to this episode i don't know if i can i don't know if i can promise that honestly (laughs) this is at your own risk it's more it's more a cousin's risk than mine which is why i'm I'm uh, i'm comfortable taking it sure yeah i mean if anything it's also your brother's risk more than yours like you're you're just the messenger here you didn't eat it or force him to eat it you know i was the innocent observer yeah just uh sitting there you know i was i'm the younger brother so nothing i have no responsibility in any situation there ideal honestly yes (laughs) (laughs) So what do you eat these days? What's your what's your like culinary world now as an adult? It's it's I know it's going to be a pop out to say everything, but it's honestly everything. Sure. I have just I don't know where it is. I don't know where it came from, but I, I think I've just had this obsession with learning food, just through through everything through travel. You know, I lived in Japan for a short while, uh, too short a while, honestly, and. It was, while I was there every day, find something new to eat, find something strange or delicious. And I went on a search throughout the city. I lived in Tokyo. I went for a search throughout the city for a place that served uh, raw horse, which was a delicacy. Sure. Which is a delicacy. It's getting much harder to find. And I was never actually able to find it, much to my dismay. But there's just, the world has so many different foods out there, and they... Just I couldn't imagine trying to just eat one type of cuisine. Like I don't know, there you've got people who are your, your steak and potato people. They eat regular foods, American type foods, or things that they stick to one culinary palate. Sure, but I want everything. You know, <laughs> I, I I like to on on any given day. I'll, it's one of the nice things about living in a city. On any given day, I can hit a halal truck. I can hit a Vietnamese place. I can get Moroccan. And even throughout the pandemic, I could have that all delivered. Right. It's just, it's amazing. Every time I have friends move from the city to the suburbs, one of the things, they, they don't miss the bars that much. They don't miss the museums because we always talk about going to the museum. We never actually do. Sure. They don't miss the traffic. They don't miss the noise, the sirens. They miss the food. It's always the food. Yeah. Well, I think because... about that a lot. Like cities are cities are such a such a wealth of food options a lot of the time. And that's like for all the bad things that there are about living in the city, like yeah, it's noisy. Yeah, it's going to smell sometimes. Yeah, it's going to be hard to like own property, but you really do get that privilege of having like a whole world of food opened up to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's just I can't think of a type of food. I mean, we're probably a little light on african cuisine but it's available i can get moroccan i can get i can get nigerian i can i can get some other things but basically any type of food is at my fingertips living here and and i i love it so yeah i mean i eat pretty much everything you see those little mimetic twitter things going around so people can get their clicks or you know 
one point for everything you won't eat. The last one I saw, zero points. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I get that. There's, I've, I've done those as well, right? Where it's like, here's like 80 foods from around the world that if you want to eat them, you're an adventurous eater. And I'm like, well, I would eat all of these. I just haven't eaten all of them because I don't have access to like... 30% of them or whatever. Exactly. I mean, I, I in, we have a, uh, I guess, a regional delicacy here called Scrapple. Sure. Yeah. So if, if you, you know Scrapple, Scrapple is basically how I like to describe it as it's the things that gets, uh, that get rejected from being in a hot dog. Yeah. And then they just mix it all up and serve it as sort of like a caseless sausage. And yeah. I mean, if I eat that, sure maybe i'll get squeamish about rocky mountain oysters but i'll give it a try yeah. i haven't yet but i, I <laughs> well, will well that's it right like we have to anytime we're having those conversations about like what makes a food weird or what makes a food like unpleasant it really it's so culturally specific right like everybody has stuff that's going to be weird for them that's good for other people and vice versa and like uh, what I find fascinating about Scrapple is, uh, I think I talked about this on last week's episode or maybe the week before, um, Quebec has its own kind of version of this called Croton that is uh, similarly a like force meat pork product that's just like, here's all the, you know, pork scraps, whatever, turn it into something tasty. And like, it's it's definitely an acquired taste, but I I love it. And I feel like so many places have their own version of this, right? Everybody has like a scrapple or a croton or like the French have uh, andouille, right? Which is like, you know, yeah. fancier, but only because it's fucking French. It's still, yes. you know, tripe and weird pieces of meat and like head cheese is a thing too that's just like an entire pig head cut up and solidified in jelly. Like it's, <laughs> there. there's these things that are like they're weird but tasty, you know? It's so interesting. It's so so fortuitous that you brought up head cheese. There's there's a restaurant in Philadelphia that does. They used to do twice yearly, but I think they only do do it once now. A an unlimited suckling pig roast. What do you mean by unlimited uh, suckling pig? So you go you you reserve your table, and they will bring you as much pig that the suckling pig that they have roasted out back as you want until you either leave or die at the table. <laughs> Incredible. So you get the normal sort of parts of the pig. And the second time I went, I just said, can you bring me a head? And the waiter was taken aback at, at first because they don't really get those requests that often. Sure. But the first time I went, they brought it out and asked if we would like it. And I said, absolutely. And that was what I was looking forward to. Sure. Uh, I mean, I've I've literally eaten a pig snapped tail now at this point. That's beautiful. And and the the snap's not great. The cheeks are fantastic. Sure. And uh, neck the neck is just melts in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. Brain, I could take your leave. Brain, sure. I could take your leave. Yeah. I, it's I, uh, I it's got that. a strange texture. <laughs> but if it's on the if it's on the plate, I asked for the head. I'm not going to leave the brains. Yeah. Of course. Well, that's it, right? You, you want to eat as much of it as you can. It, it feels it feels good to like honor the animal in that way, and also to like I don't know. It's sustainable, which is nice, right? Yeah, it is. You know, it's it it is nice that nothing goes to waste, and and uh, you get to taste things that you otherwise wouldn't uh, on a normal basis. And if it freaks somebody out at the table, then that's even even better. <laughs> yeah exactly what's what's better than like something tasty that also kind of makes other people a little bit uncomfortable because of their biases just, just a little bit you yeah. know it's not i'm not i don't want to scar anyone for life no if they're just a little like how could you eat that and when i get to say well why don't you try it and then you spread hopefully you spread this and you you take away some of the taboo and You've now introduced somebody to something that they end up loving, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's it, right? Like, at the end of the day, every food is new to you the first time you eat it, right? So you've got to, you know, be adventurous sometimes and, and let yourself eat the weird head cheese or, you know, scrapple. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, speaking of Scrapple, uh, we're going to take a quick trip over to the mid-roll. I don't know what that segue was, but we're going to, I'm going to tell you how to give money to people, including me. And then when we get back, we're going to talk about bread. Hello, Sick Tom here again. Welcome to the mid-roll. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review we get during the month of June, we'll be donating $2 to The Depot, our local food bank here in NDG. They can turn every $1 into $3 worth of food for a family in need. So by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating review of the show, you're functionally donating $6 worth of food to people who need it. There is literally no other way to turn zero into six so if that math is exciting for you go do it you can read all about what the depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode a reminder that this show is entirely supported by listeners like you i cannot make this show without financial support from people who enjoy it uh so i want to give a big thank you to all of our patreon supporters in no particular order sarah mallory david chantal andrew carlea erica Anne, thomas Kendallin and Gab. Thank you guys so much for your support of our show. It uh, really means a lot. It, it really helps. <laughs> Honestly, it helps us out a lot with uh, not being extremely broke all the time. Um, th- that being said, I am currently jobless, so still extremely broke all the time. And if you felt so inclined as to, uh, you know, hop on and uh, pledge to support us on Patreon, it would be much appreciated. If you uh, would rather give a one-time donation, I'm also including my PayPal link in the description of this episode. Got a lot of bills to pay. Got a lot of a lot of bills, a lot of debts that need paying, and uh, not a lot of income currently <laughs> as I navigate uh, unemployment and stuff. So if you feel so inclined as to help support me and therefore the show financially, that would be rad. Uh, To give you an idea, if I wanted to make this show full-time, like if I wanted this to be my full-time job, uh, I would need to be bringing in about $2,000 a month. Feels like the kind of bare minimum. Um, And currently bringing in $30 a month. So bit of a stretch there, getting to a thousand. Yeah, but uh, you never know. You never know. If enough people support it, maybe this can be my job. I don't think that'll happen, though. So, you know, prove me wrong. Be cool if you proved me wrong. Last but certainly not least, the uh, only other thing that I want to mention here in the middle of the show is that uh, as I talked about at the beginning of the episode, if you are in the States and specifically in a state that now has, uh, you know, no access to safe abortion, um, please find in the description of this episode a link to resources. Share those resources around. Uh, This is one of those rare times where sharing resources as infographics on Instagram is actually like objectively helpful because like people who need them might see the resource and go, oh, I'm going to hang on to this. So, you know, do your part to spread knowledge of where people can get those safe resources if you are somewhere that you can maybe offer to your friends from out of state um, that they can crash at your place for a week if they need to. Know that for for every shitty lawmaker out there who is trying to control the way that you use your body, there are people who love you and care about you unconditionally and will support you and help you get the health care that you deserve, frankly. Um, so, you know, find those resources, talk to friends, Find the safe people in your life and uh, just hold each other, love each other, take care of each other. On that note, let's get back to, to not sick, Tom. Talking about bread stuff. Yay. Okay, welcome back here in the second half of the show. We are here primarily today to talk about the pre-dinner bread basket. But uh, before we get into that, uh, you were telling me right before recording that you went to a steak tasting this weekend and i need to know everything about yeah. that <laughs> yeah so uh a close friend of mine who we used to be co-workers he um he's now out in the suburbs as as one does when you get married and have a family as he does so he feels the best way to get us to visit him is to lure us in with food and he does barbecue competitions so it's shockingly effective sure uh, anytime he says he's going to cook we're uh, organizing carpools so we can go get there and uh, have only one person who can't enjoy some wine or a couple beers along with it. 
So this time around, after he did barbecue last time, he said he wanted to try a steak tasting. So he chose three giant porterhouses. Okay. And cooked each one in a different way. So one he did in the sous vide for, I think, six hours. Okay. Pre- where he seasoned it and then put it in the sous vide. He cooked another in the sous vide without seasoning and seasoned after. And then another one he did straight on the grill. And uh, everything, of course, was finished in the grill. And it was accompanied by his wife's homemade jalapeno poppers, which were just a split jalapeno with cream cheese and a piece of bacon roasted in the oven. It was actually, I'm sorry, not roasted in the oven, cooked in the smoker. Ooh, okay, sure. And they were amazing. And to top it off, there was also grilled corn on the cob and homemade lobster mac and cheese. Okay. And then for dessert, he pulled out an Italian specialty called... uh, Granita. Granita. It's kind of just like fancy snow cone, right? It is. It's just it's just made of fruit, sugar. So you just eat through a bunch of strawberries in a blender, sugar, a little bit of lemon juice. Uh, then it was in the ice cream maker and topped with homemade uh, whipped cream. Amazing. Which he and his daughters made right in front of us. It was absolutely adorable. That's amazing. And I'm sitting there half dead because the amount of steak and lobster mac and cheese that I'd eaten and I said I can't I can't have this dessert (laughs) alright just just try one bite and then I had to slow myself down because I was worried I'd get brain freeze from eating it too fast it was just so (laughs) delicious and he's he's also he's Italian also first generation of immigrants uh, in in the US and we were discussing it because I was telling him about this podcast and we were talking about I asked him about bread but then he just went off talking about how his mother just loved to feed everyone sure and he says he gets that from his mom and that is part of the reason because I've always told him no look we'll come over you don't have to (laughs) cook such a like we'll come over we don't just love your food we love you too but for him like this it's just the cooking of the food, the feeding of the friends, the feeding of the family, it's how he expresses his feelings towards people. Sure. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's really beautiful and frankly delicious. So I have no complaint. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I, I think that is like, that's something that I've always like really, really appreciated is when I can get everybody together and just like feed people and nourish people and like, give them give them a memory a little bit too where it's not just like hey you know we're making burgers come by it's like okay we're we're making burgers but i'm being thoughtful about it i'm bringing out like a little bit extra just just a little bit of something extra to make this more than just like a casual hangout you know like because you know uh, food can be casual and it's great when food is casual that's totally fine but i love to like imbue it with just a little something special totally uh, yeah I, I mean i completely agree uh my problem when i cook for people is i get so caught up in whether they're going to like it or not i sure. can't enjoy myself yeah i get that <laughs> but but yeah it's i i do love bringing people together around the table as well it's it's and when they do enjoy it it's just such a source of pride to have cook something that somebody else enjoys eating. I think the trick there is to only serve guests stuff that you're sure you can do really well. Like, save the experimenting for the days when you're cooking for yourself or, like, whoever you live with. Have a dinner party with stuff that's already, like, tested, you know? Like, it's already passed your taste test and you've made sure, like, I'm not going to screw this up. Because my worst experiences cooking for people are always when I'm like, there's this new recipe I want to try. Perfect idea. I will invite (laughs) a bunch of people over and uh, stress myself out trying to make it perfect. And then uh, good thing I made sides. (laughs) Yeah, that is is sound advice. You don't don't want the first time you try souffle to be at the big show. Yeah, it's cooking... There is a certain amount of improv that happens in cooking, but cooking should not be like an improv show. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> you know, you don't you don't invite people to your rehearsals. Exactly. Um, so you know, we we teased this a couple times already. Uh, we're here today primarily to talk about the pre dinner bread roll. I feel okay about having had some pre pre dinner roll bread roll conversation about steak before getting to the pre dinner roll bread 
scroll. <laughs> this is a hard sentence, but you get what I'm saying. I think there's something beautiful yes. about the bread roll because it is like <laughs> it's like an appetizer, but it's more than an appetizer at the same time, you know, because you don't have to ask for it. People will bring it to you. Yes. There's there's something about it when that when that bread basket shows up at the table, it's it's this it's the start of something communal at the dinner table. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's sort of this breakdown of when you get to a restaurant, there's so many divisions, right? There's the the staff and the customers and the, each table is divided. And even at the table, you have divisions where I, you know, maybe you're eating with your family and that can be comfortable or uncomfortable. Maybe you're on a date or maybe it's, uh, God forbid, a job interview where you have to eat in front of people who are judging you. Sure. The bread immediately brings everything into this small section of reality that everyone wants the bread. Everything about it is communal. And bread is just so, as fancy as it can get, or as basic as it can get, it's just this thing that brings us together Mm -hmm. at the table. And that's why that's what makes the pre-dinner rolls, uh, the the pre-dinner bread basket, so beautiful. Yeah, well, that's it. Like we, when you think about like the sit-down restaurant experience, yeah, nine times out of ten, everybody is going to order their own individual dish, right? Like if I want to get the like linguine with clams, and you want to get, uh, I don't know, meatball sub is where I decided to go with that. This is a restaurant that serves both of those, and. Meatball sub is a classic sit-down, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, you sit down, fork and knife, meatball sub. uh, And, like, you're not sharing, right? You're not necessarily going to be sharing the food that you're eating. You're going to have a good time. You're still going to be connected to each other. But having that thing in the middle of the table that everybody can reach for, that everybody goes for together, brings us back to, like... And this is a weird place for my brain to go because, like, I am not a Christian. I don't buy into Christianity. But there was a time in my life when I did. And, like, there is this, like, central metaphor of the, like, communion table, right? Of the Eucharist, of Jesus bringing bread to everybody and going, share this bread, think about me when you eat it. And I think, you know, scrapping the Jesus from that, I still really like the idea of bread as this, like, communal thing that you can just sit down and go, hey, got some nice bread. Let's all share this bread and like hang out and eat this thing, you know? I mean, like you, I'm, I'm not religious at all, but that that is, that, I mean, I think that's, that's a really great metaphor for it because you do have just this coming together and again, scrapping the Jesus from it. Yeah, uh, put Jesus get, in the scrapple. S- <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, now you're going to get calls and letters. Good. <laughs> but yeah, it's, you get to just hear, here's the thing. This is the thing. It sustains you. It, tastes good and we're all gonna work on it together yeah well and like bread is you know obviously like we can't discount how good a like really well-made fancy bread is but bread is also something that is relatively inexpensive to make that you can make in large quantities with not a lot of ingredients and with just a little bit of time and with just a little bit of love too it really is it's one of those things that like you know, you can pound out a loaf of bread and have it ready for dinner and it'll be beautiful and warm and and comforting and shareable with people and not cost you a fortune, right? And it's so... For me, the thing that stands out about the bread basket is like, it's an extra, right? It's a thoughtful extra that that restaurant is giving you free of charge at the beginning of the meal and saying... We know you want a little something extra. Here's a nice bread. Here's some here's some nice warm bread. Maybe it comes with butter. Maybe it comes with a little dish with like olive oil and balsamic vinegar. Whatever it is, even if it's like individually prepared rolls sealed in plastic because they mass produce them, it's the extra thought of saying, here is what you're gonna want while you figure out your meal. Here is something to make sure that you're not like ordering out of desperation you know you're not looking at our menu and thinking what's going to get here fastest because i do that sometimes if i'm at a restaurant with no pre-dinner bread i'm like okay what what on this menu looks like it's going to take five minutes that's what i'm ordering but if you got the bread basket i don't mind waiting a little longer you know it gives you permission you got something yeah you can nibble you can really go and look at your options 
you can see what other people are going to have, so you make sure there's no overlap. Yeah. You know, once once you get something to nibble on, the world's a little different. That's it. It it brings a comfort and it brings a like a freedom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Now I have I've I've been lucky to in my life to be able to go to some really amazing restaurants and uh there's there's one that sadly has since closed in new york it was um, del posto they had a michelin star and i went there several years ago my brother treated and the bread that they gave was not this communal bread it was they they give you a, a breadstick which they make for you from scratch whenever you ask for it at any given time in the meal so you start off with one and it comes with uh whipped creme fresh butter okay and the dish they make they have specially customized dishes for this bread and butter it's essentially a bowl with on on one side you have a lip that curves up to hold on to the bread and from there you're able to take the breadstick and dip it in the creme fresh butter and then melt as something that should be is normally so simple is elevated to an art form in your mouth and that's also amazing i love that you can do that with bread yeah that you can have it's the same thing that i can get from the grocery store for three dollars a loaf and you know make a cold sandwich out of while standing and eating it over my sink sure uh, a time-honored tradition. <laughs> yes. But then here it is in a place that is that it has been awarded internationally for its artistry and food. And, and that just that shows just what you can do with like that is the the whole gamut of bread. Yeah. From from your wonder bread in that white packaging with the blue and red circles to Del Posto's bread rolls, breadsticks just fantastic yeah i i'm not sure i'm not sure if this is because you mentioned it while we were talking about this last week you know in preparation for the episode or if someone else has mentioned this to me recently but but something about having a specialty like piece of like a specialty dish for the breadstick itself is so so brilliant to me i was uh i was thinking about that a little bit today as well actually because uh i saw this commercial from i believe the 80s uh it was a mcdonald's commercial starring jason alexander of seinfeld fame um it is a musical because why not and it's advertising the McDLT, which was uh, a since discontinued product, but it was a burger where the packaging was its own special packaging, uh, <laughs> where you had the top bun with all the cold toppings on one half and the bottom bun with all the hot toppings on the other half. And it sealed, like the package sealed them separately so that you could order this and have a burger that had a perfect bite where the burger itself was warm, but all the fresh toppings were still crunchy and cold while you were eating it. And I was thinking about that and I was like, yeah, you know what? Like, <laughs> yeah, we need, we need thoughtful innovations in our food receptacles. We, we need more things like, like special plates where you rest the breadstick and it dips straight into the butter when you tilt it. We need like, spoons that have a handle on the end so you can rest them on the edge of the bowl we we need things like that absolutely just as much as we need the mcdlt two temperature <laughs> control zoned burger container i think i missed out on the mcdlt honestly I, that was that might have been not something i mean i was around in the 80s of course but that might not have been something i was eating back then i had definitely never heard about it myself before so uh like before today but i was not around in the 80s so i'm guessing that by the time that i became conscious <laughs> of mcdonald's they had just scrapped that yeah in your life in in whether it's your childhood or now has there been something that feels like the at-home equivalent of the bread basket for you it's funny because in bengali culture you know the bread that comes with dinner is is quite a bit different it's, it's roti generally and often we would not have it it was for for us it was roti was more of a special occasion thing or even the parata which was an even more special occasion thing sure 
Saturday, Sunday morning thing, parottas and, and omelets my mom would make or scrambled eggs for me. So it just that bread at the dinner table was not normal for us. I remember when the first macaroni grill opened in our area and they would serve you that big piece of bread in the middle, that large sort of focaccia. And they told you you weren't allowed to touch it with any utensils. You had to rip <laughs> into it with your bare hands. And as a child, I, I remember looking at my parents like, am I allowed to, to do this? Am I allowed to use my hands at the dinner table like this? Because we, we often ate with our hands at home. That's a normal thing for Bengali culture. It wasn't until I was a little bit older that I got used to, because I, I would use a fork and knife everywhere else. And sure. It wasn't until I was a little bit older that I got used to using a fork at, at the dinner table at home uh, instead of my hands. And by a little bit older, I mean maybe third or fourth grade. Uh, right. So ripping into something like that at the table was just such a guilty pleasure. <laughs> I get it. Uh, I get it. Like, even if, because there is a difference, right? Like, there's a difference between just like tearing into something like in that kind of almost like that, that visceral way in the comfort of your home and doing it in public. I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've got a lot of hangups about public, public food. Like I, I just, I hate getting something. I hate, I hate getting stains on my shirt. Sure. It drives me insane. So I have at home foods and I have outside foods. Right. Wings are an at-home food. Ribs, at-home food. Sure. Certain certain sandwiches can be an outside food, but other ones, like the aforementioned meatball sub, that's an at-home food. Yeah. I think that's totally reasonable, so, yeah. <laughs> so being there in public, using my hands and ripping into this bread like it's an at-home food, but, you know, for, for everyone to see, it felt very primal. Yeah. And at the same time, very fancy because there wasn't you, you're dipping it into olive oil and, and uh, black pepper instead of butter or just eating it plain. So you have you're very, as a kid, you're, it's butter always. But yeah. that was the first time I also thought olive oil and black pepper for bread was genius. I don't really thought of that, but sure. kudos. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, that's it. Like I think about you know going out to restaurants with my family when I was a kid like we didn't do it that often because I you know just lived with my mom and like we didn't have a ton of money but whenever we visited my grandparents you know my grandpa's the kind of guy I was just talking about this on last week's episode who loves to go out to restaurants he loves to you know treat people especially you know anytime we're visiting he's like oh no 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 I'll pay you know gets a gets a nice meal and there was this one spot we would go to all the time that was a Greek restaurant uh, near like a ferry terminal. And they would always put out, you know, a little bit of bread at the beginning and it would always have olive oil and balsamic next to it. And I just remember that, like that feeling of, yeah, you dip it in and like, especially the first time as a kid where you see like, you know, the oil and the vinegar are separated, right? Because they don't really like mix together by default and you're like how do i dip this in a way where i get both of these things and it's like oh that's not even the point like you just kind of like you just go at it and there's something about that that's so elevated right and it's not even fancy it's it's just oil and vinegar (laughs) like exactly it's it's i don't know salad dressing basically so good exactly yeah Yeah. (laughs) like it's it's not that different from just you know putting some salad dressing on a plate and dipping it in that but something about it feels really special yeah it does it really does beyond the breadstick do you have a like i guess a second favorite bread basket experience what a weird question what, a, what is this fucking <laughs> podcast there is a brazilian popover type thing uh called i i'm gonna i'm going to butcher the pronunciation because i do not speak any portuguese I think it's I think it's called Pau de Queijo or Pau de Pau de Queijo. Queijo? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, and one of these Brazilian steakhouses where you go there to eat your weight in meat, just like you sure. go to my friend's house to eat your weight in meat, and then they serve you these little rolls, these cheesy little puffy pastry like things, and everyone says don't fill up on bread and. There was always the don't fill up on bread. That's what they want you to do. And I never understood that. Well, maybe at, at a Brazilian steakhouse, but at a regular restaurant where you have to pay for the things, why would they want me to fill up on the free stuff? Because then I'm not going to buy the paid stuff. Right. 
even as a kid, that didn't make sense to me. Yeah, no, it doesn't but make this, sense. But this was, this was the place where I wanted to fill up on bread <laughs> because this warm, flaky, gooey, cheesy thing, I just couldn't stop myself. And then now, of course, pandemic, they deliver. And <laughs> I could get a box of 12 of them. Oh, hell yeah. Added to my meal. And I'd just <laughs> sit there eat 12 of them while I'm looking at my, my steak going cold. <laughs> just like, these aren't going to be good tomorrow. <laughs> that's amazing. So that is that is one of those things. That's that's my consolation prize now that Del, Del Posto is gone. Sure. I go to Chow's traditional Brazilian cheese bread. Listen, you got to do what you got to do. We, we had this like, um, there was a Brazilian steakhouse here that I used to go to a lot again pre-pandemic that uh, yeah same deal you know it's a set price they shave the meat onto your plate until you tell them to stop etc but they didn't have those they didn't have the patekeo that's oh that's terrible i didn't realize i was disappointed about that until you told me now i'm disappointed it's like it's like i just i i after the fact took took bacon away from you yeah, a little bit, a little bit. You took the bacon <laughs> away from me. The uh, the one that kind of stands out for me is uh, there's a Cajun place in our neighborhood that uh, I absolutely love, and uh, you know all their all their mains are fantastic. But they also have, and granted, this is an extra you have to pay for. It's not a uh, just brought to the table thing, so it doesn't really count as the bread basket. Because in my mind, the bread basket like has to be free, right? Um, right. But, they have hush puppies there that are like like little cornmeal donuts essentially and like they they usually serve them with like uh like a tarragon butter i think and you know what no they do they do actually have little like uh cornbread muffins as well as a uh as their version of the bread basket and so for me that like cornbread muffin and the hush puppies together that's such a that's such a beautiful thing too and again it's one of those things where it's like yeah here's a little bit of dough here's a little bit of butter next to it it's warm. It's going to make you feel good. Eat this while you think about dinner. I'm here for it. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's funny. You end up craving these things. When I lived in in Tokyo, not really a big bread culture there. Sure. I mean, most of the time when when I would get bread, it would be packaged from the Seven Eleven. It was something you'd just grab for breakfast uh, because right. you essentially in Tokyo you live out of Seven Elevens. They're amazing. <laughs> sure. If if the first thing you do when you step off the plane in Japan is go to a Seven Eleven because they have everything you could need there. It's a, it's fantastic. It made me so disappointed to come back to American Seven Eleven, <laughs> where I'm like, I can't eat anything from here because I I value the next thirty six hours. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and I'm not willing to play that Russian roulette in America. <laughs> but when, yeah. <laughs> You know, I could have sushi and egg salad and then pasta all from Seven Eleven. Like that would be my food for the day. Yeah, and, and be completely fine. Whereas if you did that here, any one of those three things would probably kill you. <laughs> yes, yes. So not having bread for I was only living there for about six months, and then I came back to the to the states, and my friends were all like, "Oh, let's go out. We haven't seen you in six months." And then first place we went was a sushi restaurant. Which was which was fun for them because you know they hadn't eaten sushi every day for the last six months, <laughs> and I was still in Japan mode, so I was saying you know, uh, arigato and sumimasen every, everywhere I was going, and and I'm sure the waitstaff thought I was being facetious, but I was just acting out of habit. Sure, I promise yeah. you. <laughs> but I just was craving bread. Sure. And I just I just wanted to go. I wanted to go back to Fogo de Chao, the Brazilian steakhouse, get their pop over, get get the powder kale, and I just wanted some warm rolls. I was ready to hit. I was ready to hit up the grocery store to get some of those those uh, loose rolls and just throw them in my oven to eat them up and fill them with butter and eat them. Sure. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I've been ever since you first brought up bread baskets as a potential thing to talk about on the on this show. I've been like craving rolls you know which is like wild because a lot of the time bread basket is just a baguette cut up too right like it's not even necessarily rolls uh but yeah but yeah. for me it like conjured the roll and i was buying bread the other day at the grocery store and i picked up a loaf of challah and then noticed the right next to it there were buns instead made with the <laughs> same dough and i was like yeah yeah that's what i want and i gotta say it's been a really nice week <laughs> Occasionally, I live with my brother. Occasionally, I will get 
sandwich rolls in air quotes to be like oh well you know we can make sandwiches with these rolls instead of just getting regular sliced loaf of bread sure but i know in my mind that they're never meat is never going to touch them sure yeah yeah. you're just going to grab one at like 11 o'clock at night and munch it maybe put some butter on there but probably realistically you're going to put the whole thing in your mouth at once and just space out yeah absolutely or when i really have the foresight i'll slice it i won't slice it i'll be honest i will tear it in half yeah yeah i will throw it in my toaster on like two right really low setting just to put a little bit of heat into it and maybe get a little bit of char on the inside and then it's butter and i top it with kosher salt Ooh, yeah you know what? That's a really good hack because uh, let me tell you about some $16 butter that I ate last month. Um, <laughs> so uh, for the past nine months until uh, about a week ago, I uh, had been working at a uh, fancy grocery store in my neighborhood. I started there as a butcher and then I moved over to the deli and the cheese section and uh, then I quit last week because I needed to for mental health reasons. And uh before I quit, you know, maybe a month ago, I remembered that we sold a product that was an imported butter from France made with like the finest milk, the finest ingredients. It was $16 for a pound, but I got an employee discount and I was like, you know what? Just once I have to try this $16 butter that for me is like, you know, 12 or whatever. And uh, let me tell you, $16 butter is exactly as good as you think it's going to be. It, uh, <laughs> I think it was worth 8 where normal butter is worth four, you know? I don't think it's worth four times as much as butter. Twice I would go for. Twice I would go for, but like, you know, import costs, whatever. And the thing that made it stand out was that it was a, it's it's a cultured butter, but it had like flaked salt in it. So as you're eating stuff with this butter on it, every once in a while you get that little pop of salt. And I think you've just blown my mind with a little hack here where I can just put regular (laughs) ass cheap butter on it and then (laughs) sprinkle some kosher salt on it and probably probably it will taste basically the same the yeah the the kosher salt on things is quite the trick i will i don't know how if you do bagels and cream cheese in montreal are you are you joking no i i don't i've i've my canadian experience is i went to toronto once 25 years ago okay okay and then i watched the montreal grand prix yesterday like that was (laughs) that was it so uh, um, the reason I laugh is because asking a Montrealer if we do bagels and cream cheese, I don't know, it almost feels offensive. We're a big bagel city. <laughs> Montreal and New York are the two like biggest bagel cities in North America. I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. See, now, now, this is a new thing that I get to learn. There you go. Now, I'll go to Montreal and I'll, I'll have to try the bagels there. You you must. Philadelphia is a good bagel city too. We do. We 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 sit in the shadow of new york and a lot of things including bagels but we have the cream cheese which is Mm -hmm. actually in my research philadelphia cream cheese was actually invented in new york and only named philadelphia because at the time philly had top-notch dairy huh and and they wanted to you know invoke the quality of philadelphia dairy products (laughs) for their cream cheese that's amazing well philly Um, philly is the cream cheese that that I use most often up here. So I am a salt fanatic. Sure. It's not healthy and it's not good for you. Uh, and my favorite bagel is, of course, the salt bagel. But you know, I'm in my 30s now, so I have to start thinking like I could be halfway done my life or I could be a third way done my life. So let's <laughs> let's figure some things out. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I've started to cut back on salt bagels. Uh, but I will sprinkle just a little bit of kosher salt on a plain bagel with cream cheese to get that little extra flavor that, you, sure. that the kosher salt pulls out of the cream cheese. Yeah, absolutely. Why not, right? I love it. And you know, the thing about salt and whether it's good for you or not, let me ask you a question. When you eat a bagel with salt on it, whether it's you know been sprinkled on the cream cheese or like crusted onto the outside of the bagel... Does it bring you joy? It does. Does it make you feel good? Yes. Does it satisfy your hunger? Absolutely. So fuck your arteries. It's good food. <laughs> that's that's where I'm at. Salt is salt is really magical. It really is. It really is. Do you have any final thoughts on uh, 
the pre-dinner bread basket, on steak tastings, on uh, feeding pork to your cousin. Now is your chance. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much food out there in every corner of the world, in every culture and subculture, region, country. Just be open to trying it all. You know, there's just, it's life is short and the world offers a lot and we should try to experience it while we have the chance. I love that. If I could add to that, I would just say, never turn down the bread basket. Always take the bread. Eat it. It's there. It's there for you. Don't worry about filling up on it. If you fill up on it, you can just just take the rest of your food home after. It's leftovers. It's a doggy bag. (laughs) It's lunch tomorrow or a midnight snack, you know? Absolutely. 100%. Could not agree more. Do you have any any stuff you want people to check out, be it plugs or restaurants or uh, a a cool bird? Now's your chance. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'll I'll plug my my blog here, if you don't mind. Semi-regularly. I've been trying to keep to a weekly schedule, but sometimes that that doesn't happen, and then sometimes I go on an eight-month hiatus, but I'm trying to keep to weekly. We've all been there. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> yes, it's uh, largely entertainment. I do movies, TV, video games, sometimes podcasts, sometimes books. And the idea is to not just talk about the surface, but get into things, how media affects culture, culture affects media. It's a lot of discussion on representation and how the stories we tell shape how we view the world and how we view the world shapes the story we tell. I love that. It's a study room pod because it was supposed to be a podcast, but uh, (laughs) ended up being a blog. So it's studyroompod.com. I love that. And hey, you know, it could be one of those things where you speak it into the world enough and eventually it happens. You never know. That would be wonderful. (laughs) Thank you so much for, uh, for doing this. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. I really, truly enjoyed this. And that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you so much for listening to No Bad Food. Do you want to be part of the conversation? Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at NoBadFoodPod and individually at Tom Zalatni and at TefferBear. If you like this episode and want to help us make the show even better, you can head to Patreon.com slash NoBadFoodPod to donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'd be joining the ranks of fine folks like Gab, Kendall, and Thomas, Anne, Erica, Carlea, Andrew, Chantal, David, Mallory, and Sarah. Patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show. So if that's exciting for you, you can head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod to make it happen. Do you want to be a guest on the show? We have a guest application link in the description of this episode as well that you can fill out a form telling us why you think you'd be a good fit. Please don't hesitate to do it. Uh, Aslam, who I talked to today, was someone who filled out the guest application form. And uh, that was the first time we ever talked was when I, you know, read his application and said, hey, you seem cool. Let's do this. So you never know, right? You, You could be next. I mean, I might even know who you are and you just haven't reached out. So think about reaching out, you know, (laughs) fill out the form if you want to be on the show. It'll probably happen for you. It's always worth shooting your shot. You miss 100% of the forms you don't fill out. Michael Scott. We also have merch, and you can hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at Public. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend. Our theme music is by Zach Breadsticks Ingles, and our cover art is by David Don't Tell My Uncle Flam. You can find links for both of them in the description of this episode. And last but not least, this show is produced and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. See you next week when I will hopefully be less sick. You understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. I'm October Jones, and this is... Hi, I'm Fish with Legs. I'm a fish fish. with legs. I'm the elemental creature of water, and I'm here to tell you about my podcast called October Jones and Fish with Legs, starring me and my best friend, (laughs) October Jones. Nailed it. 
October and Fish is a fictional series that follows me and Fish with Legs as we try to stop an evil two-headed snake from releasing a terrible monster. And make friends and go on adventures and get captured a lot and escape a lot and encounter racism. And what? And learn very special lessons every third episode. I have not learned a single lesson. Yes, you did. We learned about being friends and authoritarianism and colonialism and how to defeat a giant crab. Authoritarianism? They're in authority for a reason, Fish with Legs. If everyone followed the rules set in place by the human government, then there wouldn't be- Fun for adults and kids. <laughs> New episodes on Mondays. You can find it wherever you find podcasts, and of course, on the Upford website. Okay, that's it. Bye! Hi, I'm Anthony Giorgio, host and producer of Queer Teen Podcast. Queer Teen Podcast encourages the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. Listen, learn, and love as you get to know the next queer youth leaders of the world. Queer Teen Podcast celebrates, elevates, and narrates how the LGBTQ plus community uses our voices to tell our stories. You can find Queer Teen Podcast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else to get your podcasts. And please, please, please subscribe today. And don't forget to listen, learn, and love.